My guest this week is online video strategist and storyteller Ben Amos. We talk about fitting video production into your marketing strategy and how to produce videos which engage your customers and bring in business. Welcome to episode 159 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing strategy simple and the BS at bay. Hey folks and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. This week, we're going to take a deep dive into video production and video strategy. And video is certainly a hot topic in marketing circles at the moment. Before we get to that, though, just a quick reminder, if you need help with your marketing, whether it's your marketing strategy, whether you're looking to put together your own podcast, whether you're looking to put together a social media strategy, I can help you and we can do it online. I've just opened up a couple of extra slots for my online one-to-one -one consulting and coaching sessions. So visit rogeredwards.co.uk, have a look and if you want to have a chat, get in touch. So let's get into that interview with Ben Amos. We chat about why strategy is a vital first step for video marketing, the seven elements for a successful strategy, how to deal with fear of video, why production isn't the most important part of video, why storytelling is important, and how businesses can communicate in a memorable way. So let's get straight into that interview with Ben right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Ben Amos, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. G'day, Roger. Thanks for having me. Ben, where are we Skyping each other from today? I'm in Edinburgh, as always, and you're quite a long way from me, aren't you? Uh, yeah, you could say that. I'm uh, on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia down here in the Southern Hemisphere. And and it's quite interesting, isn't it, the distances involved here, because for me, it's 6am in the morning, and for you, it's 4pm in the afternoon. I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody from Australia on the podcast yet, and therefore the time difference is, is really quite startling. That's right, yeah. We're, I think, 10 hours ahead, so high from the future. It's been a good day, um, <laughs> and it will be a good day for you. And let's get back to the future for the rest of the podcast. Ben, you help businesses create video strategies strategies to enable them to engage more with their customers. Video is something that I'm massively passionate about, but also you're very into storytelling. And I'd really like to sort of dig into how brands and personal brands can use storytelling and video to engage with their customers more and to build their businesses. But before we get into that, Ben, maybe give the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit of background about yourself, where your career developed from where you're going, and what basically what makes Ben Amos tick? Yeah, sure, Rogers. Look, I, I've always been passionate about about video in some form or another, mm. and you know, without going too far back, that really stems to, I, I believe my my grandfather and my father, who who both were very passionate home video producers. So, you know, my grandfather had an eight millimeter camera, um, you know, from a very early age, very you know, much before it was a, a very affordable piece of kit. Um, and, you know, he filmed my dad as a young boy. And then, of course, my dad then early in VHS 
video camcorders uh, history uh, was filming us as, mm. as kids. So I, I kind of grew up around this video camera being pointed at us at key moments throughout throughout our life. And, you know, it, both my grandfather and my, my dad would actually, you know, take the time to edit the video in some way, some rudimentary way that they were able to, you know, edit that content together to make it, I guess, more enjoyable, more watchable, and mm. effectively to craft a story out of the content that they yeah. were pointing the camera at. So, you know, I guess I've always been passionate, interested in that, uh, in that. And obviously going through school, I, I, uh, you know, studied film where I could and, and ended up becoming a film and television teacher in high school. So, uh, teaching around various schools in, in Queensland, Australia here and, and helping educate other people about video content production. Fast forward a, a bit now. Um, and you know, probably after teaching for around six to seven years, I, I didn't see that as a future direction for me. So I started a video production company. I went out and, you know, started a small business and, you know, it's scary at times, but, you know, I thought, you know, I can figure out how to find clients and how to, how to get people to, to want to make, want me to make video content for them. Um, and, you know, I, I managed to do that, um, in our local area, businesses eventually came to me and, and I started making video content for businesses in our local area. Now, fast forward there a couple more years and with the advent of particularly YouTube and, and online content, those businesses that were, we were making content for were starting to put some of that content online and in particular they were uploading it to YouTube. Right. Now, of course, as a video production company, we were you know, making the content, we were getting paid to produce content and handing over a finished piece of video content um, and the client I was happy, they paid, and then they took it away and they stuck it up on YouTube. And interestingly, I started to see it more and more and it was kind of a recurring theme where I saw those same videos a couple of months later, six months later, even 12 months later, and the only place that they'd been used online was YouTube. Mm. And they'd had maybe 30 to 40 views. So there was something missing here because if the only thing they've done with that video is stuck it up on YouTube and only 30 to 40 people have seen it, which is possibly just their their mum watching it 30 <laughs> yeah. times, you know, it hasn't returned on their investment, you know, as a business marketing tool. So something was missing. And this is where I realized, this was about three years ago, I realized that strategy was missing. So I spent the next and continue to spend my time really focusing in on, on understanding the power of strategic online video content. And of course, now we help our clients understand the power of using and implementing video strategically with a right plan in place so that it does equal and a return on their investment. So that's uh, that's the cliff notes of what got me here over the last eight to nine years. Really love some of those stories, Ben. And it reminds me of some, you know how you're having a chat with somebody and you, you often remember things that you haven't thought about for ages. I think I'm quite similar to you. I've been brought up with video in, in its many different forms. I, actually thinking back, one of my earliest memories is my father taking Super 8 video, not even video, Super 8 film cine film of mm. us as children on holiday in Spain, probably in the um, late 70s, early 80s. And the camera he was using was Super 8 and it was silent film. And I remember him yeah. recording a soundtrack, effectively of him narrating what was happening on the screen. And he recorded it on a on a tape cassette re player. And we had people round to watch this film. And of course, he had to press the button on the 
projector at the same time as he pressed the button on the cassette player so that the soundtrack he'd recorded would be in sync with the pictures. I mean, that is so completely outdated in terms of technology, but it it's just a memory that's come back to me just now. And again, I think over time, when I was younger, I, I entered, um, we had a TV program here in the UK called Screen Test, and they encourage kids to enter and, and submit films, again, probably recorded on, on uh, film cameras in those days. And, and as time's gone by and we I got a camcorder, VHS, like you described, and, and moved on, and of course now it's iPhones and, and uh, Lumix cameras and Canon cameras and the whole uh, digital setup. So it's, it's really interesting how your um, passion for video has developed, and I can see parallels in what you've done to, to where I've come from. I'm really interested in the word strategy. Now, you and I met each other through the Upreneur community and, and we saw each other in London at Upreneur Summit a couple of months ago. And we did have quite a an interesting discussion about strategy. And I think you and I are pretty much on the same page. Quite a lot of companies and brands these days, I think, dive straight into marketing tactics. So they may hear oh, we need to be doing video, or we need to be doing live video, or we need to be on Twitter, or we need to be doing this, that, and the other. And sometimes they dive straight in, and they do video. And as you say, they may put it up on YouTube, and there they only have 20 or 30 views. And that's because they've been lured into a tactical response. Whereas my belief, and I think it's your belief, is that strategy is key. So what do you do? And why is it important to have a strategy in place before you start diving into all this sexy digital technology? Look, I think you're spot on, Roger. And, you know, we are on the same page because, you know, I kind of liken the importance of strategy to the importance of having a recipe when you're cooking some kind of fine dining dish. Mm. So you think about, you know, a whole bunch of potentially random ingredients. So, Maybe individually they all taste fine, but when you can bring them together with the right sort of recipe, with the right sort of plan, then that that recipe becomes basically a beautiful and tasty meal that you know people want more and more of. Mm. You know they're salivating for, and and that's where good strategy, when it comes to using video, can take you know potentially separate ingredients that kind of are good. You know they work. You take your your video blog, you take your Instagram stories, you take your email sales funnel videos or whatever it may be, um, and you, you bring them together with a strategy and that's where people begin salivating. You know? So that's kind of a, what I like to, how I like to describe strategy. And, you know, where to start really comes down to where are you going to end? You know, I think Stephen Covey in Seven Habits to Highly Successful People talked about start with the end in mind. So if you can start with the end in mind with your video strategy, then you need to really identify what is the goal, what is the outcome, what is the objective overall for, for my business. So what, how do I want to meet, move the needle in some way? And then you can work backwards from there to identify what content you need to be creating. And from a top-level approach, that's really where it needs to start. Yeah, and of course, if you know what the goals are and if you know who your customer is – then you can work out the tactics that you need to implement to engage with them. And there may be some examples where video is just not the right medium. I think video is very versatile and it, and it, and it 
can have a place in pretty much any marketing strategy. But unless you have the strategy, you can't be definite that that is the right medium to use. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of the companies are making is that they want to jump onto the latest digital bandwagon, the, the latest digital trend without truly understanding who their customer is and why they're wanting to move into that tactical space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're spot on there around it's about identifying who you're talking to as well. So, you know, getting clear on who your audience is because ultimately the reason why we're in business and is to, you know, affect some sort of change or, or move an audience of customers to take some sort of action, you know, that eventually leads them to buy from our brand. So, you know, there's seven elements that I talk about when it comes to an effective online video strategy and they align with basically any kind of effective marketing strategy but you know to to quickly break down those seven elements for you it starts with audience audience is at the top mm-hmm. so the seven elements are audience goals content distribution optimization metrics and production and I'll, I'll really quickly run you through them if that's okay of course that might might help Basically, audience, yeah, is knowing who you're talking to. So if you know who your audience is, then you can align that audience with the intended goals for your business. So element two is goals. Those goals need to align with the customer journey. So if we're clear on what those goals are, then we can have an understanding of what the content that we need to produce is because the content needs to align with the goals. And then as we move through to distribution, we talk about, now we need to know where that content needs to be distributed. So there's increasingly more and more platforms and ways that you can get your video out there. But when your distribution plan aligns with those other elements we just talked about, content, goals, and audience, then we're clear on what where we need to put that content. And then if we're clear on what platforms we're using, so the distribution, then we need to think about optimization. So that's the fifth element, optimization. Optimization scares people because they think about SEO and they think about Indian call centers saying you get to, <laughs> to the first page of Google. But the reality is the optimization is just about you know thinking about the platform that the content's on and creating the content or positioning the content in such a way that you get the most eyeballs on it. So optimization is platform specific. And then as you move on to the uh, the sixth element, which is metrics, we need to measure something so that we know we've got a return on investment. So when we understand what platforms we're using and how we've optimized it, then we know what data we're going to look at to measure if it's successful or not. And then finally, and there's a reason why production is element number seven or the last element, because you need to understand in your strategy all of those other six elements before you even think about what camera I'm going to use or where do I need to film this thing or or what's going to be involved in the actual production of the content. The problem is, Roger, is most people get bogged down in production and don't even consider those other six elements. (laughs) You know, that's so true. And I guess as marketing people, we always get seduced by the sexy stuff, the digital production, the, the cameras, as you say. And, you know, even though I preach to people that they need to put their strategy in place first... I'm one of the world's worst people for getting seduced by all this technology. You know, I'll be thinking, oh, I want a new camera or I need a new lens or give me that lighting rig or give me this bit of software. Give me a green screen, you know, like we were talking before we hit record before. And again, you've sometimes just got to give yourself a little slap and say, no, 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 no. 
we've got to get all of those other things in line first before we even think about pressing the record button because without those first six phases that you've just described the production isn't going to work it isn't going to engage your audience because you haven't done the groundwork i think that is so so important and you know again people just dive into the um what sort of camera should i use etc and let's face it if you've got phases one to six absolutely nailed you could probably do it on your iphone couldn't you well quite possibly i mean you know there's certainly going to be for certain strategies there's going to need to be a high production value there may need to be a significant budget involved you know, um, but there's certainly much more clarity about what is required for production when you've gone through and understood for your particular business what those other six elements are. So, you know, obviously, if you're talking a, a large brand or, you know, brand like Coca-Cola or Nike, there's certain times where they need a high production value. But even with those large brands, there are certain times when, user-generated content or stuff shot on their iPhone by their team when they're at some kind of, you know, um, global event or or sporting event is actually really effective in their strategy, even mm. though they've got the budget for big budget stuff. So that's why production needs to come last. Yeah, I think as well, one of the things that I've observed from some of the people that I've worked with is that there's there's still a bit of a fear about video, isn't there? I think, um, you know, we're, we, we live in a day and age now where people are quite happy to point the camera at themselves, point their iPhone at themselves and take a selfie. They may, may even do a, a 10 second snippet for Instagram stories or Snapchat or whatever it might be. But put a video camera in front of somebody and they suddenly turn into a gibbering wreck, don't they? And do you find that as part of the um, work that you do with people, you actually have to do quite a lot of coaching to get them comfortable behind the camera? But, I mean, people always struggle with this, of course. So, I mean, it's human nature. It's not a, a natural thing to be in front of the camera. Um, mm. And many people, as you've recognised, do struggle with that, even though they probably don't struggle face-to-face -face mm. meeting a client sitting across the table and you know pitching an idea or, or sharing their expertise. But for some reason, when it's a camera in front of us, we think the worst yeah. or we catastrophize our, our thought process and think everyone's going to think I look funny or strange. And, <laughs> you know, my, my reaction to people and or my response to people there is do you worry about that when you're meeting a client for the first time face-to-face -face in your office? Mm. Or, you know, do you worry about that when you're at a, at a business networking event? And, you know, for many people they worry enough that they put – a nice shirt on and have a shave in the morning and do their hair or something like that. But, and, th and that's the same for video. You still need to consider your professional self and being your professional self if that's the purpose of the video. But ultimately what it comes down to is it gets easier the more you do it. Mm. So like anything, the biggest barrier is just getting started. So for all of our clients that we've worked with, who have been scared of video with a little bit of coaching and it is initially only a little bit of coaching and then practice and then they do it more often and they kind of build themselves up to being, uh, I guess, more confident, uh, then that's really the, the best and perhaps the only way to get started. People who are seem to be natural on video and, and Roger, you're great on video, but I'm sure your first couple of videos 
weren't the same, right? Oh, they were dreadful, absolutely dreadful. <laughs> but if you didn't start, you wouldn't be as confident as you are now. Sure. And that's the same for anyone. Again, I think as the, there is this perception, particularly within the bigger companies, and, and I do work with quite a lot of what I would describe as big corporates in the financial services industry, there is a little bit of... Um, What's the best way to put it? Snobbery is the word I was going to use, but I don't really think that's right. There is a belief that everything has to be high production. And again, I think this could be the, a mistake that people are making is that they dive straight into the production before they've considered the other elements of the strategy that you described before. But there is this feeling that it's got to be, you know, we've got to hire a great big film crew in. There's got to be lights. There's got to be those great big silver discs and lots of wires and mixing desks and this, that and the other. And I've seen some companies that produce these videos. They take days to produce them and they've got some poor staff member stood on the spot for hours and hours doing multiple takes and these poor people end up looking like they're a rabbit in a headlight they look very uncomfortable very unnatural and they've been told to stand absolutely still so that if they mix lots of different cuts together nobody will notice the, the joins and it just looks dreadful whereas i've seen loads of really engaging videos made by people in financial services where they've probably just balanced a camera on a fence or they've again they've used their phone so what what advice would you give to people about the levels of production assuming that you've got those six elements in place before you start to be concerned about it that really is that last statement that you said there is the most important thing because without those other six elements clearly understood for your particular piece of content that you're aiming to produce, then you're not clear on what needs to be involved in production. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're exactly right that for so many people, they're just jumping straight to production without understanding what their goal, particular goal is for that particular piece of content mm -hmm. or who their audience is or, you know, what platforms they're going to distribute it on. I mean, you know, let's look at some popular distribution platforms, just you taking one element to an effective online video strategy here that I broke down before, one element being distribution or the platform that you're planning to release that video on. Let's look, for example, at LinkedIn video, hmm. which is only just rolling out across many LinkedIn platforms. And for financial services or any professional services, LinkedIn is going to be an absolute powerhouse when it comes to, to video. It already is proving to be. Yeah. But LinkedIn is a peer-to-peer, a -peer. it's a social network, it is a professional social network, but it's not a, a movie streaming platform. It's not a high, or it shouldn't be, a high production quality broadcast platform. There is places for that on YouTube. There's absolutely places for that still, if for many strategies, on TV and traditional mm. media. But for most businesses, if they're identifying LinkedIn as where their audience is at, and LinkedIn video is where their distribution strategy needs to be, then ideally they should be doing that in a much more natural, authentic, human way with some thought to production quality so that the sound isn't rubbish and the lighting isn't disgusting and, you know, they've dressed appropriately for their professional circumstance. But your iPhone with a little bit of kit perhaps attached to that is more than enough for creating great LinkedIn quality content but of course, the content needs to be quality. So when I'm saying quality there, I'm referring to what you actually say or do mm. or present about in that video. That's what people care about. They care about you and connecting to you. 
um, on a human level, person to person. That's the way video, particularly on social media, particularly on platforms like LinkedIn as well, that's where it needs to be. And of course, Ben, you are also a big advocate of storytelling. In fact, you run a podcast on the very subject. How important is storytelling when putting together a video? Look, let's be honest, based on what I just said about people buying from people or, you know, that human connection that as uh, consumers we want to make with uh, a brand that we're engaging with, that's where it all starts. That's why story is so important because story is an intrinsically emotional form of communication. From a very young age, we, we grow up engaging with stories on on uh, you know an intimate level in their family situations before bed or or you know th- growing up through our youth and you know we understand the power of stories uh, you know from a human nature perspective very very early on and the reason why stories work so well is that you know the emotional connection is just built in so if we tell a good story people feel like they're there or the, or they you know from a neuroscience perspective it fires off different parts of the brain effectively you know um so if we can tell a good story particularly as one of the first ways of connecting with a potential prospect or customer or audience member for your piece of video content storytelling is what gets people to sit up and pay attention Mm. what gets them to buy in before you ask them to buy and it can't be ignored. And of course, if you think about it, pretty much every time you turn the television on and watch, whether it's a box set, whether you go to the cinema to watch the latest episode of Star Wars, whatever it is, story mostly is the absolute foundation of what you're watching, isn't it? Now, okay, sometimes you go to watch a film and the beginning happens at the end and the end happens at the beginning and nothing happens in between. But on the whole, pretty much everything that we watch on TV and at the cinema has a very strong story running through it. And and of course, people associate with that. They engage with that. And if you can build story into your video and, and, and wider into your overall marketing, assume, assuming it meets your strategy, then you are going to produce content which is much more engaging and much more likely to get your customers to want to do business with you because of that emotional connection. Well, stories are, you know, not only more emotionally connecting, but they're also more memorable. Mm. You know, we don't remember facts and figures. We remember stories. So if you have to communicate facts and figures, if you wrap it in a story, then it's going to be much more memorable. So uh, yeah, I think there was a, and I'll probably get this a little bit wrong, but there was a study, I think it was at Stanford University, where um, a, a group of students was basically, un, unbeknownst to them, was tasked with the idea of pitching an idea. That, so they had one minute, basically, to pitch an idea uh, to the rest of their classmates in the university class. And um, at the end of the uh, presentation, I don't remember the exact numbers, but basically, you know, eight out of 10 students basically uh, just spoke in facts and figures and and two out of 10 of those students used some kind of story to pitch their idea. Now, uh, five to 10 minutes later, basically the class was asked then to recall any information that was pitched, so any facts or figures that were shared. And out of that class of people, um, significantly higher number of, of students recalled the stories they were told than the facts and figures. Mm. 
Now, I wish I was more prepared with the actual stats there from that uh, research, but it's a very interesting, uh, you know, understanding of the power of story to communicate, uh, you know, real tangible ideas. And I know for business people who are thinking about story and how they can use story, they sometimes struggle because they're thinking, well, I need to communicate this thing, you know, this this fact, this figure, this this goal for for where we want the company to be or what we want to do. Um, so can't I just put that as some dot points on a PowerPoint slide and read them out? The reality is if you wrap a story around it and people are going to connect on an emotional level, different areas of their brain are firing and they will remember it and therefore be moved to take action more likely. That is so, so true. I mean, when you stand on stage and do a presentation, whether it's at a conference or whether it's to your board or whether it's to your staff, I'm in the same. I'm in the same place as you. If you all you do is put up slide after slide of stat after stat and tables and pie charts, etc., people start to switch off. But if you weave a story into it, maybe don't even use any slides, or if you have to, just keep them quite nice and simple. But weave a story into what you're saying, then you're absolutely right. People will remember what you're saying a lot more than if you just bombard them with facts and figures. Ben, what would you say was the one thing that you would like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from all the experience you've had building a business around video and around storytelling? I think the one thing is video, particularly online for marketing your business, is potentially very scary and overwhelming these days mm. because it's there's so many options, there's so many possibilities, but the overwhelm can be combated can be beat by starting with strategy yeah if you start by first identifying who your audience is what your goals are what your content is what platforms you're going to distribute on and how are you going to optimize that and what metrics you're going to measure so those six elements to consider before you even get a camera out or get a film crew to come along start with strategy and production makes sense that's fantastic ben and on the podcast, I also like to ask my guests if they've seen a marketing campaign or a product recently that's really caught their attention. So it could be an advertisement, it could be a product you've seen in a shop window. Tell us what it is and what you liked about it. The first thing that comes to mind um, is not a specific campaign, but you know, a specific approach mm -hmm. to a specific use of video, plat uh, video platforms. And without getting too tactical, because We've been talking a lot about not focusing on the tactics, but, you know, when it comes to using video on a platform, uh, you know, a, a platform, social media platform such as Facebook, for example, what I'm really excited by and what I'm really loving is when I'm seeing brands using great examples of native video on, for example, Facebook, which takes into account the the screen ratio or the size of the video. Mm -hmm. So rather than your standard widescreen video on a Facebook news feed when viewed on your on your handheld device or your smartphone, when companies are starting to create video instead of in a 16-9 or widescreen, creating it in a 4 by 5 ratio, so long and skinny or vertical video format. So mm -hmm. they're creating content in a specific vertical video format which looks great on a handheld device. And the best example I've seen was a interior paint company here in Australia. So, you know, they were talking about home decorating mm -hmm. and the ad started out uh, as a video ad that started playing and it was, I'm sure it was targeted to be only displayed on, you know, handheld devices, so only on smartphones. 
And uh, with the autoplay functionality of Facebook video, as the video started, it looked to the user, to, to me, the viewer, like half the video was not on the screen. Right. So it was like, oh, Facebook's kind of screwing up here. And that stops you scrolling because mm. you're wondering what's happening to the way Facebook's showing on my phone. Half the video was there and you could see like half a, a, a good-looking young couple in their lounge room. And then the, the, the male character just reached out and pushed the edge of the video frame and effectively pushed his lounge room into the frame of the video right. on the smartphone, which was a very effective visual trick to get me to stop and watch the video. And then there was a, some kind of a text appearing on the screen around, you know, need more room for your renovation or something like that. So it's, you know, kind of linked to that idea of not having enough space and pushing it over. But as a, you know, simply as a tactic to using the video natively on Facebook in a way that catches the eye as people are scrolling through a busy news feed, that kind of thing, and I've seen it done in a few different ways, is very exciting to me. Of course, we're, we're competing for attention, whichever platform we're working with. Ben, have you read a really good business book recently? If so, tell us what it was and what you liked about it. The first one that comes to mind is a book called Ask by Ryan Levesque. I mean, I won't go into into it all, but um, you know, Ryan is is kind of, I guess, you know, really the go to guy for customer surveys. Mm -hmm. Remember at the the first element to the online video strategy plan that I spoke about before was audience, mm -hmm. and knowing your audience is the best way to start a strategy and Ask by Ryan Levesque is basically goes into some real ninja stuff for using online surveys and you know audience surveys to really nail your customer and and get your get your strategy started the right way. So yeah, I mean it sounds kind of boring, customer surveys book, but interesting, really interesting, insightful stuff in that book. Of course, you have to know your customer before you can put a strategy together and before you can dive into the tactics. Ben, it's been great to talk to you today on the Marketing and Finance podcast. I've really enjoyed our chat about strategy, about video and about storytelling. I'm hoping that people are listening to the show might want to get in touch with you. So what is the best way that people should connect with you, Ben? Look, the best way is absolutely to head on over to Engage Video Marketing. Dot com. That's where everything's at. But what I'd like to do, Roger, is set up for your audience a, a special page with a, a couple of little links in there and, and a, you know, a couple of downloads for them if they're interested in exploring online video strategy further. And we'll set that up at engagevideomarketing.com slash MAF for marketing and finance. Does that work for you? That sounds fantastic, Ben. Thanks very much for that. And I will include links to that in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Ben, been great to talk to you today. Despite the incredible earliness of the hour here and the lateness of the hour there, let me wish you every success for the future. And even though we live 7,000 miles apart. I'm sure we'll meet again at next year's Upreneur Summit. Thanks, Roger. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. 
I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.